You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 104th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 455th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, December 13th, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred on Wednesday at 3.56 p.m. when Mike Miller of the Herald Times tweeted out the list of players who have won the gold practice jersey so far this year. It's a pretty simple list. Jawan won the first two, then Romeo won it, and the last couple of gold jerseys have been split between those two. There's only one outlier sandwiched there in the middle, Jerome Hunter. Hunter, you'll recall, won the season's fourth gold jersey and then was promptly announced as being out indefinitely with an ominously described lower leg condition. He has since undergone surgery and remains out indefinitely with no one that I know holding out much hope that he will play this season. Miller's tweet, as well as comments that Jawan Morgan made on the Earn Your Stripes podcast this week, were strong reminders that Indiana's 2018 recruiting class possessed not just two, but possibly three impact freshmen. Morgan said of Hunter on the podcast, quote, we really miss him, unquote, and recounted how Hunter was the only recruit who has come in during his recruiting trip and participated in open gyms with the team that Morgan had to go all out to defend. So while Jerome Hunter is unlikely to make an impact on this season's quest for a sixth banner, Let's take this opportunity to remember that Indiana is 8-2 and two and in the top 25 without any contributions from a guy projected to be, at a minimum, among the team's top seven or eight players. More importantly, let's remember that when Romeo and Jawan are gone next season, taking all of their gold jerseys with them, Hunter should be ready to play a key role in filling the void they'll leave behind. It's a shame Jerome wasn't able to be part of Indiana's exciting present, but he's a massively important piece of Indiana's bright future. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, he is the Bill Musselman of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati. He's the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and he is one of the world's most fun-loving bracketologists. Well, it's been a fun week, Jared. Let me tell you, this is fun. This kind of game is fun. This was fun. All right, well, this was fun. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line from the last week in IU basketball? I mean, the one of us who's really having fun right now is Ryan watching the uh, the Chargers get destroyed right now. But that's my favorite team, the Chiefs. Woo! <laughs> San Diego nice. chicken. Oh, there we go. Anyway. All right. Uh, you know, for this is going to be a, a weird transition onto a more somber note. But uh, you did a, a banner morning about this earlier in the week. But the you know unexpected passing of Eric Anderson was. Uh, you know, was was sad, and for a lot of people who you know grew up in 
you know, kind of the era that, uh, that you and I became IU basketball fans. He was a you know pretty prominent name in a lot of those uh, you know really good teams of the late '80s, early '90s. Uh, I thought Chris Williams of IU Artifacts wrote a, a post on it on the site this week that did a good job of you know kind of encapsulating some of his thoughts about him as one of the first players that he really you know remembers looking up to and and kind of idolizing in that way. And uh, I certainly remember watching him play and his you know his career evolved over his course of time where he was a, a more uh, prominent part of the offense early in his career, but still uh, was able to you know step out and make jump shots. Was able to score in the post. Um, just a good you know good awareness uh, overall as a player. I actually watched a little bit of his uh, senior night game earlier this evening. That one that Galen had put up on on YouTube and you know kind of showed made some defensive plays. Um, you know stepped out and, and knocked down an 18 foot jumper and uh, you know did some good rebounding work in the post. So uh, you know a, a player that was a big part of of some of the teams that we uh, that we all really liked growing up and. Uh, a guy that I always remember my mom really liking as one of her favorite players as well. So uh, Peggy Bottoms does not impress easy. So let it be known that uh, that he was one of her favorites and uh, and certainly rest in peace to him and uh, our thoughts with his family during a, a really unexpected and difficult time. None of these, uh, you know, no time is, is good to hear of a, you know, an IU, you know, legend player, you know, passing, but certainly when it's as unexpected as this was, it was a, uh, you know, kind of a somber note for the middle of the week in a, in a pretty quiet period for college basketball overall. Absolutely. Rest in peace. And to my right, he is a columnist for The Big Lead and a co-host for The Hangover, and he is here with us despite his beloved Los Angeles Chargers playing in an important Thursday night game with Chiefs. Screw the Chargers. The worst primetime game in history. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant this week? Come on, you knew I had something playing there. Don't you dare say my beloved Los Angeles Chargers. Don't ever. No, we're not. We're fighting right now. Even, even, even kidding. You knew I was kidding. Gross. San Diego uh, guy. Yeah. Uh, good luck, Chiefs. You're up 14 nothing right now. I'm very happy. I'm going to be uh, hosting the Butler show by myself, aren't I? Probably, yeah. <laughs> and I just won't tell you I'm not showing up. I'll just not show up. You can host <laughs> uh, I, I just think it was good this week. I mean, obviously, we we haven't been with you guys since they uh since indiana beat louisville i thought that was a really good win for the for the program i also think it's just good that they got a week off Uh, they've had so much uh so many injuries and so much turmoil as far as that goes as jared mentioned the opening with a guy like jerome hunter guy like race thompson missing time with a what is apparently a very serious concussion uh he's not even practicing right now because of it and and you know, not sitting on the bench during games and all that stuff. Race needs to get healthy and they need to do whatever they can to get him healthy. If that's sitting him out all year, that's fine. I, I, you know, that, that has to be the number one concern is, is making it so he's healthy. But I would say that I, I think it was great for this team to get a week off and, and just be able to practice relax a little bit i'm sure they got some downtime uh and then to come back and take on butler which is going to be a big game for them for the non-conference schedule so and really the last big non-conference game before we get into the the big 10 season so it was nice that they got this little break right here all right here's what we're going to talk about this week we will discuss the bracketology impact of saturday's game against butler we will have ryan's much anticipated trace jackson davis scouting report and we will give some grades through 10 games in honor of exam week which we are in right now Then we'll answer your questions, all of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about mattresses, because the presenting sponsor of Assembly Call Radio, Comfort Option, is literally all about mattresses. Comfort Option is based in Indianapolis, run by IU grads and fans, and they have over 65 years of experience in crafting top-quality mattresses. And if you live in or around Indianapolis or Bloomington, you can take advantage of their revolutionary mattress store to your door service. Comfort Option will literally bring the mattress store to your home 
and custom design a mattress for you right there on the spot based on your preferences. You just have to schedule the appointment. And if you live outside India or Bloomington, you can go to comfortoption.com and order their highly reviewed Alpha mattress, which they produce in-house and ship directly to you anywhere in the U.S. with the same satisfaction guarantee that the in-home mattresses come with. So basically, you save a bunch of money by cutting out the middleman. I mean, those guys do suck, quite frankly. They do. And here's something else extra special and pay close attention because the deadline is Friday, as in tomorrow from the time that we are recording this. Comfort Option is giving us four of their awesome season tickets to the upcoming Pacers-Hornets game on Sunday, January 20th to use for a contest. So if you want to see Victor and Cody play, all you have to do is order a mattress from Comfort Option between now and Friday, December 14th, and use the promo code ASSEMBLY when you check out, either online if you're ordering the Alpha, or in person with the rep who brings the mattress store to your door. Not only will you get $50 off your purchase, but you'll be entered into the drawing for the tickets. And then on December 15th, we'll pick two winners, each of whom will get two tickets, and then we'll send them to you immediately so you can use them as Christmas gifts. So go to comfortoption.com, order your Alpha mattress, or schedule your in-home mattress store service, and then use the promo code ASSEMBLY to get $50 off your purchase and be entered into the drawing for the Pacers Hornets tickets. Thank you. Okay. <clears throat> so let's talk real quick here, fellas. Uh, and Andy, we'll kick this over to you to begin. Big game this weekend against Butler. Obviously, the Crossroads Classic, always a big game. But it seems like it's especially important from a bracketology perspective for Indiana. The Hoosiers, you know, already have some nice wins, four top 50 Ken Palm wins, as we've talked about. They do not have a win away from home in non-conference play yet. So how important is it, Andy, that Indiana get this win on Saturday if we start projecting forward for NCAA tournament purposes. You're muted. You're still muted. All right. Sorry. Anyway, I was, I was feverishly researching the, the latest net ratings. So, you know, just, uh, you know, just <laughs> allowed myself to get immersed in those. And you don't have board. to lie to them, Andy. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think with the Louisville and Marquette games under their belt, it, it I won't say it minimizes the importance, but it certainly lessens it a little bit. You know, that was one of the things we talked about coming into this four game stretch that they're, uh, you know, currently sitting at, at three and oh, in. Um, but it, it is always good to be able to prove to the committee that, that you went away from home in the non conference because I think if we've seen anything from the Big Ten thus far, I think conference uh, win, road wins are going to be tough to come by uh, as it is. And I think where Butler, I think they're around 40th, I want to say, in the net right now, which would. Uh, you know, neutral court games one through 50 end up being a, a quad one win. So I find it pretty unlikely that they would, um, you know, drop out of that. So, you know, it'd give you uh, at least at this point, three quad one wins in the, in the non-conference, which is pretty good. Obviously these numbers are pretty fluid and can change. Um, but I think to be able to prove that you can win away from home, I, I do think the performance at Arkansas uh, will help. They did play well away from, well, I don't know if we would all look back on that game and say they played well, but they played, you know, a close game against the, you know, power five team on the road. Um, so I think that's, uh, you know, still important, even though they lost that game, but it would certainly, uh, it would certainly help because the, the last two non-conference games aren't really going to do anything. They'll probably fit in the, uh, that quad four group with the, uh, you know, UT Arlington, UC Davis, Montana state, Chicago state games. And, um, so, you know, really last chance to get a marquee win for the better part of, uh, you know, really three weeks, I guess, if you think about it, by the time that game gets over and then, um, you know, those two games, the long layoff and then you get back into big 10 play. Ryan, how do you look at the impact of this Butler game, just kind of on a more general basis? I think it's just another opportunity for this team to grow and improve itself. And whether that, you know, you get a big, uh, 
RP, you know, or what is it, net rating benefit from from this, uh, or it impresses the committee. I don't think that's as important as this team just having an opportunity to get better and go against another team in the state, prove its supremacy, uh, you know, try and establish that this is a program on the rise and this is a program that's going to take out the the competition around it. And uh, I, I think that that's the message that has to be sent. I think it's less important for the for the committee and all that stuff, that stuff I feel like will work itself out, especially now that they've got the Louisville win, they've got the Marquette win, they've got, you know, they've won two conference games already before January. Uh, there's just some momentum there that I think that they're going to be fine when it comes to the tournament. Yeah. When you get down to the nitty gritty and I know that's Andy's thing, he's a bracketologist and and that's is super important for him. But as, as a, you know, from a non-bracketology perspective, I think that the importance here is to A, validate the Louisville win, to say like, yeah, we won close at Louisville, but and we were at home. Let's go do it at a neutral site and let's go beat a team that's in our backyard and and prove that, you know, that was a real win against Louisville and a solid win. And let's go take Butler out now too. And I, I think that's the most important part for me is to see them kind of lay claim to the territory. And then they'll, when they get Purdue later, they'll do it again too. And just kind of show, Hey, we are the marquee program in Indiana. We're the best team in Indiana. Let's take these guys out. Yeah. And of course, after the Butler game on Saturday, we will have you covered with the post game show. Join us at assemblycall.com uh, As soon as that game ends, Andy, anything else on the Butler game coming up? Uh, you know, I think it'll be interesting. One of the things that you do, you know, like it or not, you kind of get yourself into the position where you're rooting for the teams that you played, uh, in the non-conference. I think the Marquette win has looked better as they've beaten, you know, Kansas state and Wisconsin. Uh, I think, you know, the big East looks pretty wide open. So I would say really, uh, regardless of whatever happens, if Butler can really assert itself as one of the top teams in the big East, which is possible, it's kind of a, you know, a poor man's poor man's Big Ten in some ways, where there's a lot of teams in the middle that are pretty, um, you know, maybe not quite as good as the Big Ten teams that are in the middle of of that league, but um, a lot of evenly matched teams. Where if somebody can really emerge, you know, so for IU fans, it's probably a case where it, it certainly wouldn't hurt to root for you know the Butlers and the Marquettes to really you know climb toward the top of that league because it makes those games look better in the Marquette case uh, as a win already, uh, and in the Butler case, you know, depending upon what happens. So just something else to watch. Another you know, piece of that and something that, uh, as IU looks to get back to the NCAA tournament, something that we can pay a little bit more attention to maybe this year than we, uh, than we did last. Yep. All right. Coming up on the assembly call, it is time for our long awaited trace Jackson Davis scouting report. Ryan has the tape. He will fill us in on what we can expect from the latest in-state five-star prospect to sign with Indiana. That is next. Stick with us. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in our unedited live broadcasts, chat mobbers, or watch those replays, then check out our YouTube channel. You'll be privy to all of the between segment banner that might not make it into the radio show or podcast edit, like when Andy explained this really odd idea for our Assembly Call Christmas gifts this year. Let's talk about where we can get those Tom Crean, George versus all y'all shirts. Join us live at assemblycall.com and youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And Ryan, it is that time. We had a big commitment, and every time we have a big commitment, we go to you for the scouting report to uh, to kind of find out what this player is all about. 
Trace Jackson Davis, a guy that Archie Miller and his staff have prioritized heavily. I mean, after Romeo Langford, he's probably the guy that they have prioritized the most. He and Keon Brooks, another five-star in-state player. Uh, so let's talk about Trace, a guy who has really risen, you know, risen up the charts since his sophomore year. What is Indiana getting in Trace Jackson Davis? What's kind of your your before we dig into the nitty gritty, just kind of your overview of what you expect from him. Well, I think that he's he's a guy who it's interesting because he's just a center right now. He's listed as a center, probably play more of that power forward thing, but he's not like a stretch four. He's a guy who can play with the ball in his hands, but he's not a shooter yet. And if he wants, he's at six eight and a half, two thirty two is what he's listed at. And at that size, he's really gonna if he wants to go to the next level. He's really going to have to develop, you know, an outside shot, an outside game. I think he handles the ball really well already, and I think he's a pretty darn good passer already. But he's going to have to really take that jump shot to the next level. He's a lefty, which uh, it's often hard for lefties to develop jumpers for some reason. I don't know why, but it's just a thing. Uh, you don't have a ton of great shooting uh, left-handed players uh, for some reason. I don't know why. Um, and also, their shots look weird. So. Ugh. Al Durham um, takes offense to this. So does Brian. I, you know what? And Al has done a very nice job working on his jumper. Um, but what I love about Trace Jackson Davis, and obviously his dad is Dale Davis. His biological father is Dale Davis, the former Indiana Pacer. Um, but despite like his lineage, uh, he was on the B team in middle school. He was not a starter. And he was not on the top team. This is a kid who had to work to get really good. He had a growth spurt as a freshman and really began to work really hard and develop himself. But he still didn't have any scholarship offers. And for a guy who was ranked 16th nationally on the 24-7 composite, to not have a single scholarship offer as a freshman in high school, that's insane with as much basketball as these as, as these guys play. Uh, so I, that really is impressive that he has developed himself individually into this really good player uh what i see on film when i watch him is he's mostly a post player who has moved out gradually as he's gotten older and so he's really trying to become one of those modern forwards who can kind of who who is a back to the basket guy now he's starting to become more of a face-up guy now he's a guy who can handle the ball at the top of the key um He's also really a lot stronger. If you watch film from his junior year and his senior year, he is really bulked up. He's got really broad shoulders. He's really started to clearly dedicate himself in the weight room to getting better and, and stronger. And he's also, as a result of that, is finishing through contact a lot better than he did last year. Last year, a lot of times, he'd go up, get contact, and just kind of fall away. Now he's going up and finishing through it. Um, he has good touch around the rim. But his thing is, he loves to dunk. This guy will dunk on anybody. He's not a super athlete, you know, guy where he's just a pure athlete and doesn't uh, know how to do things. He's a good athlete, but he is really, really skilled. And that's what's impressive so far uh, from what I've seen. Good rebounder, but needs to be more aggressive when going up. I think being 6'9 and playing at Center Grove, uh, he just can let rebounds kind of fall to him. And that's not going to happen in the Big Ten. So he needs to be more aggressive with that. Really nice release on his shot. He's actually a really good free throw shooter, which I know it will make a lot of Indiana fans happy. Uh, at the line, he has a really consistent motion. It's really soft. Uh, he doesn't hit from distance yet, but I feel like that's the next step in his evolution. Um, again, really good ball handler, great passer for his size. He'll hit guys on back cuts and uh, you know no-look stuff all the time, and he's just really smart with the ball, sees the floor well, has great vision. 
Um, he can also run the break off of rebounds as part of that ball handling. And I think that that'll be great for Indiana because they want to get out and score in transition. He's a guy who can rebound the ball, put the ball on the floor, bring it up, and make the right pass or decision with the ball. Uh, really nice footwork around the rim. He's pretty quick for his size. He also, as part of that ball handling, he can drive from the perimeter, spin moves, whatever. He gets into the lane, gets it, puts himself in good positions, and finishes at the rim. Uh, he also blocks a lot of shots. And I think a lot of that is based on timing, too. Because remember, he's he's six eight and a half, six nine. He's not some hulking, huge center who just stands back there and swats. He's got really good timing and blocking shots. Um, so, yeah, I really just like his all-around game. I think for his size and the position he plays, he moves very well for his age. And I think that, again, the only piece missing offensively for him is that jump shot. And hopefully that's what he spends you know, the next couple months working on before he gets on campus. Also, clearly a guy who's dedicated to the weight room. I think he's really going to take it to the next level when he gets on IU's campus and gets in the, in the weight program. Can I tell you who I started thinking about as you were describing him a little bit? Mm-hmm. It sounded to me a little bit like a slightly taller, not quite as good shooting Jawan Morgan a little bit. Uh, there's some of that in his game, sure. And I never uh, really thought that watching him play, but some of the some of the way that you described him, those are some of Jawan's skills and some of the things he had to get better at when he got Yeah, here. he's a little more well-rounded offensively than Jawan was as far as his ball handling and things like that. And uh, the guy that I compared him to, and I know I, you guys know I hate player comps, but just watching him, this kind of jumped off the screen was DJ White as a high schooler. It's and, and DJ wasn't as good a ball handler. He was also a little bigger and a little more brutish in the post. But it's it's the ability to step out on the perimeter, the ability to um, face up, the ability to pass, and then his size too. He's got that really long body. Where, but he's also big, you know, it's not, it's not a guy who is either super skinny or super bulky. He's kind of has it all. And, um, but the way he moves and stuff reminds me a lot of DJ white when he entered IU as a freshman. And if you look at their ratings as players and, uh, sort of their size and all that stuff, people, I mean, the comparisons are, are already there. Hmm. Interesting. So, so I, cause I remember I was at IU when DJ came on campus and I, I remember just, thinking about his game and and you know seeing him play and stuff and it, it's very similar there were a few people in the chat also who mentioned jared jeffries as a possible comp now what's interesting is when jeffries came in as a recruit he was billed more as kind of an inside outside guy but his shot didn't really materialize in college like it was expected to and he became much more of a guy who operated out of the post was a great passer terrific rebounder i mean he, he was an excellent player probably underrated for how much he did Yes. Um, but that I, I get, I hear some of that too in the way that you're describing him. Maybe, yeah, maybe he, it's stronger than than Jared. There is some uh, crossover there. I would say that Jeffries was always more of a string bean, though. I mean, he got pushed off the block a lot. I mean, he was he was great on the post because of his length, not because of his base or his size. And and Trace has him beat there. I think Trace is a uh, is he's already a really strong player. And and I think again, it's going to get even better when he starts working with Cliff Marshall this offseason. And gets into that program and so and jeffrey's there, was just such a smart player too yeah and there there is some crossover there sure um again this is why i hate player comps because it's never one-to-one you know it's there are similar aspects of their games so uh yeah but i mean from what i could see it's a great get for indiana he's just a very well-rounded guy and they throw on the fact that he's in their backyard it, it makes it even better jeffrey's did shoot 38 percent from three his sophomore year that was better than i remembered yeah i'd say that's better than i i remember as well so 
uh, you know, talked a lot about Ben Ladner wrote a good piece on inside the hall earlier this week about kind of how IU plays through Morgan in the post and things like that. So I, I was kind of getting around to this a little bit in the way that, uh, you know, what Jared brought up. I mean, is he a guy that you think you can eventually play through inside? Is he a good enough passer? I, I think it's hard with some of these guys at this point in their career to really know they don't often have to pass. Um, just given that they're more talented, is he a guy who could develop into that kind of, uh, you I, know, I, a guy I, you play through? I certainly think so. I mean, if you watch it at high school, a lot of times he's at the top of the key and they play through him there and as a passer. And uh, I think he'll be a fine passer. I don't know how well he passes out of double teams in the post and things like that because you just don't get to see as much of that in uh, in the, the, the video that we get because uh, it's a lot of AAU stuff where guys are one-on-one. Uh, in high school, I'm sure he's getting double teamed. I don't know. I haven't seen a whole lot of stuff from this year in high school. And a lot of the high school game video is pretty poor. So it's kind of hard to see the angles on the floor and everything. Uh, but he is a good passer and he's good with the ball in his hands. And I think that that's the comparison there with uh, with Juwan is that Juwan just is really good at seeing the floor. and really has been since he was a freshman. That's not something that really developed. It's just something that was always there. And we see more because he has the ball in his hands. Uh, but Trace definitely has good vision and is uh, able to see the floor. And he's a guy who is, certainly is a willing passer. He's not a guy who is a black hole on the post when we send it to him. He will move the ball and, and, and again, and handle it well and take himself out of trouble if there's trouble. You know, he'll dribble himself out of trouble and then pass the ball. Uh, so, he, again, very well-rounded, very mature game for a young guy. And I think part of that has to do with the fact that he had to make himself better because – Again, he was on the B team in middle school. He was not a star from day one. He's really had to develop himself. And, and that's something that I love about him because he's a guy who knows the value of that hard work. I value middle school B teamers. Those are good people. I was a, I was a middle school B teamer. Um, I worked my way up, though. Um, his, his future. There aren't many people who project him as a one and done. Um, I don't think he he's, he's certainly now I'm sure if he gets the opportunity, he'll go as he should. But, you know, sure. l- listening to guys like Sam Bassini and others, he's not really on that radar. Does he possibly even project as a three or four year guy simply because the NBA is kind of moving away? Kind of like we're seeing with Juwan. You know, it's it's Juwan is such a, a lot of the things that he does well at the college level. He won't even have the opportunity to do at the NBA level. So do you think Trace could be a two and out guy or could he project even longer just because of what he brings to the table and what the NBA currently values? Well, it's really going to depend on how well he plays. I mean, that's, it's a hard question to answer. I don't see people projecting him as a a one-year guy, as a one-and-done guy. And the reason why is because, it, you know, if he were seven feet or 6'11", maybe you do. And, and as versatile as he is, maybe you do see that. But as a 6'9 guy, he's going to have to play on the perimeter. And he's going to have to, you know, I mean, not exclusively, but he's going to have to play on the perimeter a lot. And he's going to have to develop his game as, as a shooter. And and just in the NBA this day, if you're 6'9 and you can't shoot a three, you're kind of a tough fit for, you know, because you're not going to play center. You're going to play pure center. I do think a guy like Juwan, you know, is a, is a guy who fits the modern NBA. And the reason why is because of versatility. Now he's not shooting as well or as much as we thought he would, I think, but he does have that versatility to step on the perimeter, handle the ball, rebound, defend yeah. all that stuff. And I think that's why he actually fits the modern NBA. Now, if you look at a guy like Duran Davis, that's a guy who's, who's an odd fit for the NBA these days because he's a traditional back to the basket post guy. Uh, Trace isn't that. And, and he's a guy who I think started as a sophomore as that and has moved out and developed a sort of a more well-rounded game. So I think that, yeah, this is a guy who projects as at least a two-year guy. Um, I'm not going to say he's on any kind of plan, 
but uh, I don't. I don't. Good job. He clearly he clearly yeah. tried to bait you into that. So I know. Kudos I don't. To you but I don't see him not as a, falling into his trap. I don't see him as a one and done because just physically the ma- the matchup. Now look, if he turns into a forty percent three point shooter over the summer, then we can have that discussion because it's a, that changes the game completely on his on his position. Um, but if he is this guy, maybe a little better, slightly better next year, I think NBA teams would tell him, hey, go back and, and work on your your long-range game because you need to be able to do that at the next level. I was not baiting him. It was a legitimate question. There was, well, there was it kind of reminds me of, like, of, of, of a guy like Trey Lyles, who was bigger yeah. and shot threes better, and he went in, and what happened to him? He kind of got buried, and he's been traded around. I mean, but that guy, we watched him in high school, and we're like, this dude is a one-and-done. He's unbelievable. Well, the game kind of leaves you behind if you don't establish yourself really quickly in the NBA. The game will leave you behind. And so I think Trace having, you know, I'm sure he's got connections to the NBA through his dad and all that stuff. I think that, you know, he'll know what a smart move would be and and whether or not it's the right move. And so, yeah, I, I would not expect him to be a one and done. I think Keon Brooks is more, far more likely to be a one, a one and done. If you look at the way he plays. Well, and speaking of Keon Brooks, hopefully we get to do a Keon Brooks scouting report here sometime in the next few months after, uh, after he makes his decision. So nice work, Ryan. Thank you uh, for that you fine scouting report. All right. Uh, coming up since it is finals week for the team, we figured we would treat it like a midterm for the season. So we're going to go through the roster and hand out some grades based on each player's performance through 10 games. Should be fun. Stick with us here on the assembly call. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Remember that if you are a serious IU Hoops fan, you need to be subscribed to our free IU Basketball email newsletter, especially now that the season has started, is well underway, and we're sending out our in-depth post-game analysis emails the morning after every game. There's a high-level operation going on out there. And joining is easy. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Make no excuses. Can we get some basketball, please? All right, let's get back to talking basketball, gentlemen. So it is final exam week for the team. I thought it would be fun to do some midterm grades. You know, we're about third, a fourth of the way. If you're if you're really thinking about good things in uh, in March and April, we're about a fourth of the way through the season right now. Um, so let's hand out some grades. And I, I've assigned us each a player. Take 30, 45 seconds, explain your grade. If the other two people have a rebuttal, anything like that, we can hop in. But if not, we can move on because obviously we've got a lot of players to go through. Um, so let's start with Romeo Langford. Andy, your grade for Romeo. Boy, that's tough. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did talk about to be to set the ground rules and feel free to use this against the time for Romeo because there's probably not a ton to talk about that we would uh we're grading these based on expectations. So yes, based uh, on expectations. So keep that in mind. Uh so Romeo, I would say you, you know, you look at the stats, played 83% of available minutes, um, you know, a really high free throw rate, got into the line well, drawing tons of fouls. Uh, as he did in the Louisville game, shooting well from two. Uh, I'm going to say A minus. Uh, the the main reason for that is just the the three point shooting uh, hasn't really come around yet. The the free throw shooting I think has, but I think he's been uh, probably a little bit better defensively than uh, than people would have expected. And there's certainly games that he's really you know shouldered the offensive load and kept him in games when he needed to. So uh, not not perfect by by any stretch, but um, I think he's been pretty much as advertised 
coming in and you know you makes a few um, you know improvements from a shooting perspective then uh, probably gets up to the the A that most people would uh, expect him to get. Yep, Brian, I assume you agree there. Yeah, I mean he's he's in the A range I think for sure, but yeah, the three point percentage is really the only negative at 23%. So Yep. Uh, really needs to up that, but other than that, I mean he's been as advertised I think for the most part. Yep. All right. Uh, Juwan Morgan. I will take Juwan. I'm going to go with a B plus for Juwan. And look, he's been terrific. His two point shooting is is awesome. He's been a terrific rebounder. I mean, he almost single handedly won, you know, games against UT Arlington and UC Davis when Indiana was really struggling. The reason why it's a B plus and not an A again, this is against expectations is because he's kind of led the charge for the poor free throw shooting. And in Indiana's two losses, he got in early foul trouble in the first half. And that really hurt. And I think it's fair to expect a little bit more from him. And since we've only had 10 games, you know, in two of those in the two biggest spots, he wasn't there in the first half when his team really needed him. So I fully expect him to be in the A range later, but I actually feel do him a disservice to to give him that full of a grade when he's had those two performances. So I give him a B plus. It's a strong B plus. I think he's been terrific, but I, I can't quite shake those out of my head right now. But fortunately, he has plenty of time to make up for him. Uh, next up is I'm assuming yeah you guys agree with that yeah I agree with that uh, yeah. Ryan here here's kind of a tricky one for you Justin Smith C minus for Justin Smith and it's not lower because I think the last two games have shown improvement uh, 22.3 minutes per game 8.4 points 4.1 rebounds does not look good he's only shooting 49.2 percent from the field for a guy who doesn't venture you know doesn't really need to score outside the three-point line uh shooting 61.8 percent from his from the free throw line but i will say the last two games i think that justin really looked better on defensively specifically he rebounded well and then we started to see the offense come around against louisville where he's gonna make his money is in the post and on back cuts and things of that nature when he can really get into the lane and do some stuff. I have confidence in him. I don't have confidence in confidence in him stepping out on the floor. I, based on expectations, I think everybody expected him to be that third option and be a guy who could step out and make some shots and do some things from the perimeter this year. That's not there right now. And so we need to sort of dial back those expectations a little bit, but we have seen improvement from him. Uh, I think if you were asking me this two weeks ago, it'd be much harsher, but I'm giving him a C minus right now with an arrow pointed upward because I think that as he starts to find his role with these guys, I think that it will improve. I'd probably go C or C plus, but I don't really have too much to quibble with there. That's that's a fair, pretty fair assessment. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would have said C or C plus. I think when you you think about it, that's basically average. And if you look at he's had some games like the Louisville game where you'd say he outperformed that. He's had some other games where he really struggled and kind of averages itself out right there in the in the middle. Uh Andy, Devontae Green. Oh boy. Um uh, <laughs> you know, this one's difficult because I think the the injury is a part of it. And so from an expectation standpoint, like he's not really even playing the role right now that he was expected to. Um, but I would probably put him if if Justin Smith's a C minus, I think Devontae's probably in the in the same category there. With, uh, uh, you know, again, has had some has had some solid moments since he's been back. The you know, the hit those couple big threes against Penn State has had some other, you know, real struggles in that, um, like the second half of Penn State. So uh I, I would put him in that category. I think he certainly hasn't, you know, and part of this is a credit to Rob Finnessy. I think Devontae has ended up playing a different role. And so it's almost hard to grade him against expectations that now probably are no longer, you know, things in some ways out of his control really shifted that. But I'd, I'd say probably, you know, C minus or C for him as well. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. 
Uh, I'm going to take Rob Finnessy next. Look, I think if you're if you're not grading on a curve, he's probably a B or a B plus because he's been a really solid point guard, but he's you know disappeared at times, hasn't been willing to take shots at times. But if we're grading this on expectations, for him as a freshman to come in and step into the role that he has, to be as consistent defensively as he has, to be as solid just from a ball security standpoint on a team that's really struggled with turnovers, and the bonus is you know just how timely his shots have been. To me, he's got to be an A. Um, based on expectations, because I don't think we really knew exactly what to expect. We thought he would be solid, but no one thought he would be this solid. So I'm giving Rob a solid A, um, and I think obviously he can build on that. And moving forward, the expectations will get bigger, but he's an A based on the expectations we had coming into the season. Yeah, uh, I think I'm with you on that. Okay. Uh, Ryan here, this will be a fun one. Deron Davis. I, I know this is kind of a cop-out, but I'm going with an incomplete on Deron Davis. And the reason why is because he's only playing 11 minutes a game. Now, if I if you had to have me grade him... Yeah, like, which okay. is the purpose of this exercise. Well, I think it's an incomplete <laughs> because we haven't seen him consistently that much yet. But if you go by just like the last two or three games and you want me to do that, if you're calling the whole season, I think it's an incomplete because he hasn't really shown a track record yet. Uh, but if we're going by just the last like two or three games, I think it's a, B, it's, it's a solid B. The problem is he's only playing 12 minutes a game. And that's against... Ex- that it, like I didn't expect him to even be back this year. So the fact that he's playing 12 minutes a game is great. But if you're expecting the full getting the full Duran Davis experience, you're really not. Well, see, getting... I mean, that's why I would give him a B or a B plus. Cause yeah, I wasn't that's... even expecting much from him. And he's been a key player in some really important in spots some, in some key games. He has been. And, but the problem is then he missed the game because of, you know, he hurt his leg again and I yeah, doctors excused absence. So he doesn't a- get... absolutely. So, but, but that's my thing is it's been so up and down. It's been so disjointed and uneven until the last like three games. And so, I am impressed with what he's done this year in the limited time, but at the same time, I mean, shooting 66.7% from the field, that's fantastic. But I also think that we're not really there where we can fully judge what we're getting from him yet. I think in another month, maybe we will be. So it's hard for me to judge him solidly based on what we've seen so far, just because we haven't seen a lot. Uh, But I would say, yeah, if you are putting a gun to my head and saying you have to give him a grade, I'd, I'd go a solid BB plus. I think I think we're all in agreement there. Other than taking the cop out of an incomplete. Well, I just think we're not there yet. Dang it, we're not. <laughs> I mean, Ryan, let the record show that Jared did pick a push for multiple oh, Big Ten teams when, so Alex, true. when we did Big Ten so over unders. So <laughs> I, mean, I can I can give you a hard time about. It. I'm just not sure that. Uh, <laughs> dang it, this segment was my idea too. Okay, uh, Andy <laughs> Alderham. <laughs> Uh, I would probably put him in the, I, I, you know, I'm tempted to say a minus. I, I think we didn't really know a lot about what his role was going to be. And again, part of that has been, you know, the injury to to Zach McRoberts uh, has opened the door for him to get some additional playing time. But I think he's been able to do a little bit of everything. He's been uh, a solid three point shooter, 12 of 28 uh, so far on the season, shooting, you know, 77% from the free throw line, which is about as good as anybody uh, on the team at this point. And I think he's been able to do a lot of different things. He was able to play really well defensively that think, thinking back to that Marquette game. Uh, so again, I think against expectations, I'd probably put him in the, uh, B plus a minus range just because I think they've been able to get more out of him than people thought. And he was a guy that we had a lot of questions about coming into the season of how much is he really going to play? And, and he seems to have carved out a spot for himself in the, in the starting lineup. And I don't know that he's going to relinquish that, uh, anytime in the, in the near term. Yeah, he's been solid. You know, his 
really bad game against Arkansas and his struggles in the first half of the Duke game, you know, kind of prevent him from being a solid A or, or, or to me, I mean, that p- kind of puts him in the B, B plus category, but he's still been, that's fair. He, he's, he's been really good. Um, and, and it's hard to blame him for those, both of those games. Cause he was in a position that he shouldn't have had to be in because of the injuries. So, you know, like ball handling, like handling the ball as much as he was and things like that. That's not what he does well. So it's hard but, to, but that's the, the, I mean, those performances happened, yeah. but it's just hard to blame him exclusively for it. By the way, great profile of him at the athletic by Dustin Dupirac. If you haven't had a chance to read it, it's really good. Uh, okay. So that's Al. I've got uh, Evan Fitzner next San Diego guy. I would give Evan Fitzner a C. Um, I mean, I think he's had some games where the shot has has really come around, and there's certainly some matchups that he can take advantage of. But he's also disappeared in some games, and you know, I think we're really learning that unlike Max Bielfeld, you know, the guy he was most often compared to, who could contribute in any kind of matchup. Evan's not that kind of guy. So I think he's still going to be able to come in. I think he'll win a game or two for Indiana in Big Ten play because he'll hit some big shots. But I don't think he's going to be the consistent part of the rotation that we thought. Um, And so I give him a C because he's been about average based on, I think, what the expectations were coming in. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, he's hit 45% of his three-point shots, but those have been fewer and further between over the last couple of games. So if he comes in and he's not hitting threes for you, what else is he adding? Is, is he adding, you know, he's really got to hit, hit his shot. Yep. Yeah. I think it, it's become clear. He's just very matchup dependent upon when he can really play well. And I think it becomes hard to one carve out, you know, consistent minutes when you're a guy who's kind of identified that way. And two, really to get a, do substantially more than maybe what was expected of you coming in. Yeah, see, I'm seeing some D's in the chat. I can't give him a D because he was brought in for shooting and he's given us some shooting. You know, he's given us that, but it, it's just, you know, the inconsistencies um, and, and and some of the other issues that have come up. Uh, Ryan, Zach McRoberts. Who is another guy. You now here, if you want to go incomplete. Uh, you could, but I'm not going to. I'm going to give Zach a C. And the reason why is because I think he's played great defense, which we expected. Uh, I think mm. he's been a... a, a well... Solid okay defense. Yeah. Yeah. Solid. Um, not, you know, he's not an all big 10 defensive player. Or, he's just or, not up to his own standard. Yeah. But I will say that the negative part, and so solid defense would be like a B to me, but the negative part has been, he's played 95 minutes. He's only played six games, but he's played 95 minutes. He shot the ball five times. We were told all off season, he was going to let it go this year when he was open. He's three of four from three shooting 75%. But he's only shot four times. Like, Zach, you got to let it go, buddy. I get it. You're a ball mover. You're a guy who gets people involved, and you move the ball around the perimeter and all that stuff, and you do all the right things, blah, 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 blah. But when you're open, you got to shoot it. You got to shoot it. Yep. And and he still hasn't broken that streak. Uh, but he's been solid. I, I you know, So I give him a C. I, I think that he is reliable defensively for the most part, unless he's just completely out. You know, the, the, He's beyond himself at, at, with athleticism when he's facing somebody. But... He's a guy who needs to open up and shoot more, especially if a guy like Fitzner isn't going to be coming in and lighting it up off the bench. You know, if you're going to be playing, your guy who was starting at the beginning of the year, you got to open up and shoot the ball. And and he's shown he can do it. He's three or four on the season, but he just is too tentative. And I think that needs to change. His right, effective Andy. field goal percentage is 110%. So you it's know, pretty good. What more do you want for him? Jeez. Uh, all right, let's hit these next two quickly, uh, Andy. Demise Anderson for you. Uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say a C. I feel like we're, we're giving that a lot, but. But for me, expectations were he wasn't going to play very much. He's ended up having to, you know, really log much bigger minutes than anybody thought. But I think you've seen from him kind of what you would have expected. A guy who can shoot, not afraid to shoot, but really struggles by his own admission on the defensive end and really just kind of 
getting into the flow of what's going on from a, a college perspective. So I'd say C, but you could almost argue uh, even higher than that, just because I don't think anybody, including him, probably expected him to play the minutes that he's played thus far. Yeah, I'm going to go C, maybe C plus for Clifton Moore, you know, simply because he hasn't done, he's kind of been what we expected, hasn't really earned time on the court, did have a few flashes against Penn State, but still also showed us a lot of the reasons why he hasn't gotten on the court. So if you want to be really charitable with those seven minutes and, and give him the C plus, I'm fine with that, but I would probably go uh, C or C minus simply because he hasn't been able to take that next step. All right, last one, Ryan. The coach, Archie Miller, what grade would you give him? I've got him with an A-, and I think that if we had told you guys at the beginning of the year we were going to be 8-2 and two heading into the Butler game, everybody would have been thrilled with that. You knew you were going to lose at Duke, and then you look at the loss at Arkansas by one point in a game they should have won and kind of got screwed in. Um, yeah, I'd take 8-2 and any time. You throw in the recruiting victories, uh, getting Trace Jackson Davis. You throw in dealing with the injuries and everything they've dealt with. Uh, and I think that this is this has been a really good uh, showing from Archie Miller this year. There are things to nitpick uh, in rotations and maybe some timeout calls, whatever. This team is playing where it should be playing and playing better than that. And they've won some road games. Uh, they won the road game at, uh, against Penn State. They won their. Um, they, I'm sorry, they only won that road game, but they played tight with with Arkansas on the road. And they they beat a team in Louisville who looks pretty good. So I. I I've been impressed so far. They beat Marquette as well. That was a huge win early in the season. So I would say that uh, an A minus for Archie. There's room to improve, but you got to be encouraged with what's going on with this program. Andy, you you down with that? Yep, I think that's fair. All righty. I felt B-plus. like we had an amazing conversation on all levels. And he gets some extra credit for you know landing another five star, which is always nice. Always. Always nice. All right. uh, Coming up in our final segment, we answer your questions, including how Butler has been able to stay so consistently good and what exactly the rules are for redshirting in college basketball. That's next. Stick with us. listening to the assembly call we are wrapping up another week of talking iu basketball i'm jared morris here with andy bottoms and ryan phillips and we always reserve the final segment of assembly call radio to answer your questions we've got some good ones so let's hop right into them andy jd asks how does a program like butler stay so consistently good despite several coaching changes over the last 10 to 20 years and a move to a better conference in that time as well how have they kept it going you know, I think that this will sound cliche and I think it, it probably does to people when they say it, but they, you know, that whole Butler way concept and, and that, I mean, that's really something that they've bought into. They've, you know, kept guys in, you know, brought guys into coach that have had exposure to the program and the guys that came before them. So from a continuity perspective, even though it's a different guy sitting in the seat, I think it's, um, you know, a lot of the same concept systems um, and, and principles that they, they play with. They really, haven't changed a lot of the kinds of guys that they've recruited with and had success recruiting. Um, you know, they've, they've got some transfers that they think fit well into what they're going to do. And I, I think on, on that note, I think the, the Duke transfer, I think Jordan Tucker, Jordan I Tucker. believe he's going to make his debut uh, on is, Saturday. So I'm interested to see how they, uh, how they utilize him, but they've done a little bit of that where they've been able to, you know, kind of pick some guys uh, off here and there on the, on the transfer market. But uh, yeah, I just think it's, it's largely been continuity of the system and, uh, again, people will probably say it sounds hokey with the you know the Butler way, but I think that really does mean a lot to that program. Yeah, 
continuity uh, makes a big difference in sports. All They've right. also developed a name brand for themselves now. Yes. I think. And and that run to the final four back-to-back years was huge probably for recruiting because you've got kids sitting at home that were watching that and, and associate Butler the way they associated for years Gonzaga as being sort of, well, they're not in the top tier of teams, but I'm not in the top tier player. I could maybe make it there and you know they're going to be consistently good. So I really think that they've really developed that brand regardless of who the coach has been. And, and they've been competitive. So that brand has sort of developed itself as well yep uh ryan we got this question from scott can we get more insight into the redshirting rules or parameters example what if race is out further can you redshirt more than one season regarding race and jerome when is the latest you can make that call in the season and let's in in particular let's clear up the difference between college basketball and college football where in college football you can now play in up to four games that's not the case in college basketball no in college basketball you can't play one minute of competition you do that you're burned your redshirt it's gone so races rate and race has already played four minutes so his Technically, and he redshirted last year. Once you redshirt yeah. once, you cannot redshirt again. Too, you don't have unlimited redshirt. So when you make when you get on a college campus, you have five years to play four. That's what they say. Is you can take one redshirt year and then have four years of eligibility. So you've got four years of eligibility, but you can only be on campus for five years. Is the is sort of the the way that it plays out. So a regular redshirt, you don't have to declare it at any point. At the end of the season, if you haven't played at all, you just say, okay, that's the season. We're not going to count towards eligibility. And you're now a redshirt freshman going into the next year. So you haven't used up your eligibility. You just kind of say it at the end, uh, at the end of the season. You don't have to declare it or anything. With a medical redshirt, if you play up to 20% of the season, uh, you have to play less than 20% of the season, I think it is. And then if you get injured and miss the rest of the season, you can apply for a medical redshirt. You don't automatically get it. You have to apply and they have to determine whether or not you're eligible for it basically uh and a medical redshirt acts as a redshirt it's the same as just not playing that year um so you do not lose a year of eligibility now if you have already redshirted a guy like race would be an example of that you cannot get a medical redshirt what you can do though like let's say race who played four minutes this year does not play again this year at the end of his four years of eligibility so when he's a senior uh so this will count as a year of eligibility for race no matter what when he becomes a senior, uh, after his senior year, he can apply to the NCA for an extra year of eligibility because he only played four minutes this year. And again, it's not easy to get that, but they do occasionally give additional years of, of eligibility in certain circumstances. Now, the fact that he only played four minutes probably bodes well for him if he wants to do that and play a sixth year. Uh, but they're very rare for a, to have a sixth-year senior. So basically, you get one red shirt. You can apply for another one at the end of your career, basically. And sometimes they do give those. All right. Uh, let's One more question here, Andy. I'll send this to you. This is from Mark. It says, now that we're 30% through the season, it would seem that several things that we hoped would give us a higher ceiling are not happening. And his question is, has our ceiling been substantially lowered? You know, for example, depth. We've had the injuries. The improved free throw shooting hasn't really happened. You know, we haven't gotten the major leaps from Justin and Devontae, as Ryan mentioned earlier. Zach being an offensive threat hasn't really happened. So when you take all those things into account, do you think that the ceiling has been substantially lowered or are you not ready to say that yet, only 10 games into the season? I don't think I'm ready to say that yet because I think for as much as you know some of the things that that he lists out here are true, I think you've also had some some unexpected positives. I think the defense is better uh, than you would have thought. I think contributions from Al and and Rob Finnessy have been more than you thought you would get. And Duran's been 
you know, you've gotten more out of him than, than you thought you would by this point in the season. So I think there's some other things that help to offset those a little bit. And I think because of the injuries, it's a little bit hard still to really figure out like what this team is going to look like when it's all together. There's still a chance that other guys, you know, come back, you know, we talk about race and, the, and that kind of thing. So I think we're starting to see the rotation solidify a little bit now. Um, if it gets to be a little bit more solidified than it's there, but I still think if you think top four finish the big 10, I think that's still possible. Yep. All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of the assembly call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording chat mobbers. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for assembly call, wherever you listen to podcasts and don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to six, six, eight, six, six to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. Join us Saturday after the IU Butler game for the post-game show. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Screw the Chargers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating. And so many of you have donated and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.